What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening, everyone. Rich Catino and Mike Silva here for New York Sports Wrap. The next 90 minutes, we got... A lot to do on the show here tonight. Matty Halt will uh, join us in a few moments. Um, he is one of the top people in covering the Mets, and it'll be a pleasure to get him on the show. We're also going to be talking to Mike Mancuso in the 9 o'clock to 9.15 portion of the show, where Mike's going to talk a little bit about the Mets and the trading deadline. He's also going to talk to us about the Knicks and their draft and, and, and actually um, where the Knicks are going to be um, – you know, using the top draft pick that they they got the other night. 9-15, um, we're, we're going to be joined by the guy who was here last week. Ryan's going to talk to us a little bit more. Ryan Crofts about the Met minor league system, and I think it's important to look at that because the Met minor league system is something that has to be supplanted if the Mets go to trading some players. And then at the 9-30 half hour, going to be one of my favorite parts of the show. Bob Herzog of Newsday will join us. He is retiring after a fabulous career and a great friendship I've had with him over that career. And uh, we wanted to get him on the show and talk about some of his great moments in the world of sports. So we're going to start it off with talking about the Mets because in Sports Talk Radio, you always talk about the team that's down and more for the team that's up. We'll talk about the Yankees later on in the show. And I was all all weekend at City Field watching the Mets and the Dodgers, and I, I just think that there's a lot of problems with the team right now. Um, and I know that we talked about this before the show, Mike, how the media seems to have made the transference from Callaway to Sandy Alderson today, a couple of tonight, I should say, a couple of really acid dripping columns. Um, before we get to Matt Eholt, you know, Mike, where do the Mets go from here? Well, it's a sick team. That's what Andy Martino of SNY <laughs> called it. It's a sick team. And I guess, you know, some people have said to me, well, you should have expected this. This is a team that has, you know, has depth issues. 
Um, you know, an aging team. It's a team with a lot of starters in their 30s, veterans. Uh, in some cases, it's focused on home runs that they're not getting. Uh, defense is not a priority. But I, I'll say this. I still think with the five starters that they have, and I'll put Lugo into that, I think a lot of teams in the playoffs would pick those five starters over theirs, and I have a hard time believing in the next two years, and that's the window we'll just use for DeGrom, but that also fits into a lot of these other pitchers, that with even 150 to $160 million in payroll, that you can't put together a team that could compete to make a playoff spot. And in a playoff spot with those starters, I don't care how flawed your team is, and a lot of writers have said this, the Mets have, if you put the Mets in a short series against anybody with those starters, they could potentially win. And and that's where I I have a hard time saying rip the whole thing apart. Obviously, you trade Cabrera. You trade Familia. They're free agents. Blevins, he's a free agent. You know, there's no in-between. I know what Sandy Alderson said on Friday. This is a team that's not making the playoffs this year. This I don't want to hear in 19. I mean, we've tried to hold out here right. for how long. It's not happening. Um, but I find it hard to believe that this is a team that you can do something with for next year. Just like last year, they retooled. They got some young relievers. You're seeing one of them this weekend in Drew Smith. Can they take a couple of the free agents, do the same thing, and uh, and retool and maybe do it better next year? Now, as far as whether that's Sandy Alderson or not, I saw the Vaccaro column on my podcast earlier today, Richard Mancuso of New York Sports Day, tarred and feathered Sandy Alderson. So that's that's going to be the theme. Do, do you really trust – not that you don't trust him. I don't want to say that. He's not going to be around long enough. He's 70 years old to even do a rebuild. Let's put it that way. Well, this is the thing, and and uh, we're going to bring Matt E. Holt on in, in just a moment. Um, this is the thing, Mike. If you want to make a selling move to bring young players back from the teams, one thing – there's two things I have to say about that. One is – Ownership's got to be willing to eat the salary of the players going in order right. to get better prospects. That's one. And it's, uh, last year they weren't. Last right. year they weren't. So that's, that's to be determined. Right? And two, if Sandy has one foot out the door, do you want Sandy making the call on this? And that's the other question. And, you know, um, we're going to bring Matt Ehalt, who covers the Mets, uh, on the show right now. And just so you know, this segment is sponsored in part by – the Tiki Club at the Rye Country Club in Rye, New York. Look where at I'm that. From. Uh, and, your sponsor there, Rich. Look at that. And, um, I like it. And they got great, great food there. Um, you sit there by the beach. And, Matt, I'm going to bring you on the show. And you got to promise me, Matt, that you're going to let me take you there one night for a nice, uh, nice dinner because the people are real nice. And they know exactly who you are, Matt. I've already talked to them about you. Well, good to know somebody knows who I am. Thanks, <laughs> And you guys could talk analytics together while you're at the Tiki Bar, right? Uh, I'd rather talk about the beach <laughs> than analytics, but we could definitely definitely talk analytics. Matt, you know, I wanted to bring you on the show because you do an awesome job covering this team, and we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. And one of the questions that I have, you might have heard in the preamble, it's kind of a two-part question with the Mets and possible trades. One is... Do they understand that they have to eat the contract of players, maybe like Cabrera and Familiar, to get better prospects? And two, if Sandy's not the guy that's going to be here next year, and you were the Wilpons, Matt, would you want Sandy being the one to make these deals that could kind of, you know, formulate the future of this ball club? You know, it's an interesting question because, you know, a lot can be, when you break this down, I mean, all these, all of these failures by the organization, it is not just one man, in my opinion. Like, I don't think that it is all Sandy. It's not all Jeff. It's not all Callaway. It, it, everybody has their own thing on it. So, 
You know, but that is going to be the, the question. I mean, listen, this, this season at this point, you, you can't salvage this. I mean, they, they just fell below, below the Reds today. They're, I believe, 14th in the national. Like, the season's done at this point. So the question is just going to be, what can they do to get forward? And that is a tough question. Is basically, at this point, do you trust Sandy to make the right decisions? Now, you know, um, you look at what he did with the – deal when he traded uh, R.A. Dickey to get Syndergaard and Darno. Now, the interesting thing about that, though, is remember that Syndergaard was the throw-in piece, Darno was the main guy. So, I mean, if you look at it from the Strictly, obviously that was a home run of a deal for them, but the guy that they thought was going to be the centerpiece really wasn't that. So, I mean, that is going to be a tough decision the Mets are going to have to make uh, as they go forward here, because certainly, you know, they got to retool this roster. They need to get younger, they need to get more athletic, they need to do a lot of things. Uh, if they are planning you know, to contend in the next two years, which they keep saying that 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 is their goal. Matt, do you subscribe to retooling? There's a, the fan base is it's we, most fans. It seems you follow on Twitter at least. They're like tear it down, get the prospects, and, and you're probably falling into more of a different generation on Twitter than maybe with sports talk radio and what have you. But I have a hard time believing a rotation of the Grom, Wheeler, Matt, Syndergaard. Uh, and Lugo, if you want to consider Lugo the fifth starter, that even with $150, $160 million, they have $30 million coming off the payroll that they can't put something together to at least compete for a wild card. It's not like this league is, um, you know, is, has a lot of teams running away. It's a lot of parity in the National League. and Maybe that's not next year, but it's, it's not a league where that you can't see a team making the playoffs one year to the next, you know, after they missed it this year. Well, here's how I kind of look at it, like, all right, so, and this is not just me, this is talking with people, you know, inside the organization. So, you know, they, the people in the organization, they look at it and they point to, and they say, hey, listen, look at our young core. Like they said, you know, they have Nimmo. Uh, they have a guy like, you know, Rosario, Conforto. I mean, granted, we can talk about how good those guys are. Uh, I think Michael Conforto is better than he's shown. But they look at it, they say, you know, Nimmo, Conforto. That's not, this isn't a situation where they have no talent. Like, I think we can all agree you don't look at them and you say these are the Cincinnati Reds where maybe they have, like, you know, Joey Votto and a bunch of guys that probably shouldn't be in the major leagues or something like that. Like, they have talent. The question is, though, is the Mets' young talent any better than, say, the Braves, the Phillies? Uh, you know, even when you go around, is it better than the Cubs? So, you know, the one thing they kind of have to to do is make that determination. Now, you know, certainly with the starting pitching they have, you can win a, a, a lot of games, but... You know, the Mets are going to have to make a decision, basically, is, you know, with, with their young talent, is this a core that can supplement, or is this a core, uh, you know, just uh, maybe is, uh, you know, just good enough to maybe win about 80 games per year, which is probably about the worst thing that you can do in baseball. It really is, Matt. And, you know, when you look at this Mets team, and if, if Conforto and Nimmo are two of the core pieces, and I'm not sure if they both are core pieces, but... If they are part of the core, where's the other core come from? Is that something that this team will look at to spend money in the offseason? They certainly haven't shown that they have the temerity for it in recent years. And the second question I have there is the athleticism that this team is severely lacking, especially in the middle of the diamond. Cabrera's had a really good year, but he has shown them a lack of athleticism at second base, to be quite honest. I mean, he's done as well as he could. Center field is another position where, you know, Michael Conforto plays center field. To me, he's not a center fielder. He's a corner outfielder. So you got three corner outfielders in that outfielding group. 
Where's the center fielder going to come from? I think they were hoping Juan Lagares might be able to fit into that. But I, I have a problem. In, in They may be core pieces, Matt, but I don't know how they all fit in the jigsaw puzzle. No, they have a lot of square pieces, uh, you know, for the circular holes. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. But, I mean, they're locked into Jay Bruce. They're locked into Ioannis Espes. You can't move those contracts. Uh, but, you know, it's Conforto and Nimmo. And, and I, you know, I, I still think Conforto is a better player than he's shown. You know, if those guys are able to give you what you think they can, that's a pretty good uh, outfield combination. I mean, you know, after next year, I believe it is, Ligaris' contract is off the books. So, you know, as the Mets get move forward a little bit here, it's going to help them uh, as they kind of get rid of some of these bad contracts that they have on the books. But, no, I mean, that's the determination. And then with the money, I mean, that's always the great equalizer with this team, right? I mean, we, you never really know what they're going to spend. I mean, you know, the last two years they did really, they really did not spend all that much. Or sorry, they spent a ton of money, but they're not getting anything, any bang for their buck. I mean, you know, you look at what they were, you know, who they spent it on, and you know, the deals just have not worked out. I mean, you know, even a guy like, uh, you know, Todd Frazier, he he. He's been okay, but at this point, that deal hasn't it hasn't really worked out all that well for the Mets. And that's nothing against you know Todd's a guy who goes out there all the time, he plays hard, he does what he can. But you know they just the deal has not worked out. Matty Old to the record, joining Rich Catino and I here on WLIE five forty eight on M five forty AM tongue tied over there, Rich uh, Matt. I'm actually looking at the free agent list, and and I'm all for retooling and. Now that I'm looking at the free agent list, even if the Mets want to spend money, take away Harper, Machado, those names. I don't know if you've looked at MLB trade rumors just to glaze over it. This is not a lot of that young. No, it's not a great class. It's not a great class. So you're really going to be relying on Lagaris coming back, perhaps. Um, the hope that Cespedes stays healthy. It could be a really, from a standpoint of the Mets, from a news cycle's perspective and the fans, it could be a hard, long off season because you may get a similar type of off season again that you had this off season. The best bat well, there, other than those guys you mentioned, might be Daniel Murphy, who, of course, is coming off like a, a the, serious the, injury. A serious injury. We don't know how he's going to perform. We got to give him time to look at it, but. I looked at that list, and I, I tried to make a list of it, Matt, and I said, okay, your top two bats are Machado and Bryce Harper, and they're terrific players. They're all stars and you know, you know, heading, heading to greatness for the next decade. But when your third best hitter in the free agent market is Daniel Murphy, that's a thin, uh, that's a thin free agent uh, offensively anyway. No, it, it, it certainly uh it, it certainly is not uh you know there there's a few interesting names in there though uh depending on what the Mets feel about their uh you know their catching situation um you know Yasmani Grandal is an, a name mm-hmm. that stands out and then you know a, a guy in there that I could see 100% being a Met next year DJ LeMahieu that just I don't know why but that 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 screams New York Met to me boy and I love his game i mean you know he's someone that you know and you got a chance to to see him firsthand recently, Matt. But he's a guy that uses the whole field, and and I think he's just a terrific player. So that would be he's very athletic too. And and now when you look back at it, Matt, and you look back and listen, I'm not going to play Monday Night Quarterback because I like the Jay Bruce signing. So I'm not going to sit here and pine that I didn't like it. But looking back, and I don't know if they would have had the money to do it. 
Would Kane have been a better fit for them for everything they needed athletically than Bruce because it would have kept Conforto in his spot in the outfield? But, of course, they didn't know how healthy Conforto would be going into the season. If he was sparkling healthy, do you think they might have gone for Kane over Bruce? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, yeah. I mean, certainly Lorenzo Cain would have been a better fit. I mean, you just look at everything that's happening with this roster right now and just like we were talking about the, the holes that they have, and yeah, it would have 100% been a better fit for them to go get uh, Lorenzo Cain. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that was more of a financial commitment. I mean, you know, it, the Mets have, like you said, you know, the Mets have certainly spent money, but when you look at how they've spent it, They've spent it on short-term contracts. They're really outside of Cespedes. And granted, you say outside of Cespedes. They ponied up on Cespedes. You give them credit there. But they have not gone out of their way to kind of splurge on some of the higher-level talent out there. Uh, you know, you look at, like, Anthony Swarzak. You know, they, they signed Swarzak to a cheaper deal than most of the other guys got. So, you know, you, you take a look at kind of what they have done. Um, and, and, yeah, certainly that's something where you say, hey, uh, they probably should have, you know, you look back. I mean, if anything, the real issue here is this whole situation is kind of a poor reflection on the Mets for not knowing what they had in Nimmo because if they knew what they had in Brandon Nimmo, you don't sign Jay Bruce. Uh, and then, you know, you're not locked into him for $39 million for the next three years. So, you know, this, this situation, they, they didn't properly recognize what they had. Matt, will we see Peter Alonso up? I know they've said no. He had three home runs yesterday. Uh, I know that that's still AAA, but um, you know they're going to have to give the fans something in August and September. And you wonder, get them up now to see, like you said, do you do they know what they have? Is AAA enough for them? To I, know? I've heard that you know I, September has been mentioned. The thing I the thing about this all though is if he keeps, I mean, if he hits like he is, like you said, you're going to have to. You know, keep an eye on that. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't say yes or no either way right now, just because it's it's. Uh, I, I would lean towards seeing him possibly in September. The question is just if he keeps hitting like this, do they pull? Do they bring him up earlier? Yeah, and one final one I have for you, um, Matt. You know, Dominic Smith um, playing the outfield and you know playing the outfield a little bit in triple a do you think that was more designed not so much to get dominic smith up here as a versatile player as it was to give peter alonzo um the first base position of triple a because he's going to be the first baseman on this team eventually and not dominic smith um that's tough to say but um certainly i i do think they moved him to to create some opening for peter alonzo but the uh you know i mean ultimately they're going to have to choose one or the other because you just look at the way the roster is set up uh, at the moment. And basically, they have two first guy, basemen who, I mean, let's be honest, uh, he, he's done a nice job trying to fill in there. You know, he, he uh, Dominic Smith is not an outfielder. I mean, he, he he's doing what he can. You, you don't hold that against him, but he, he, he is not an outfielder. You, he loses his value there, his value as a first baseman, so... You know, the Mets are going to have to uh, make a determination there because, you know, to have two first basemen who really that's their only position, you're not going to be able to carry that, especially when you look at it and think that Jay Bruce or Yohan Cespedes in the next year or two uh, is probably going to have to go to first base. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. But, no, certainly, uh, you know, I I don't get the sense the Mets ask uh, 
sorry, Dominic Smith to play the outfield if not for uh, what he was able to. Uh, sorry, if not for what uh, you know Peter Alonso has been able to do. Matt, uh, obviously, we'll probably see Familia and Cabrera get traded. Their free agents, maybe Jerry Blevins. I'm guessing they'll wait till after the Subway Series unless something really bowls them over. What? What else? Who, who else would your gut tell you probably will be out of here by July 31st? You know, you just said the three. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think here. Uh, Maybe I mean, Flores, I'm just going through the roster. Flores or uh, Wheeler, you know, something like that. Cabrera, Familia, Blevins are the three that that jump out at you. And Blevins is just because somebody might take a shot. He does not deserve to be acquired on any. I mean, he's been awful this year. I mean, all honesty, the Mets cut him tomorrow. I don't think they'd be out of their their thing. He, he can't do the one job he's on the team for. Um, you know, I mean. If the Mets are not going to go full rebuild, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, though, for them to try and trade one of the pitchers. If they say, "All right, maybe you flip Match, you flip you flip Wheeler, one of those guys," uh, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world to, to possibly do. Um, but you know, uh, Lugo and Gazelman are there. Um, I, I can't see them trading Swarzak just because at this point, I also look at like. You know, Swarzak's got a lot of money on his. I mean, that's part of the problem too with some of these guys. Is like, you know, for example, Todd Frazier could be a nice piece, but what team is going to acquire Todd Frazier and his salary next year? Right. I and mean, that that wouldn't make any sense for for a lot of teams there. Um, you know, so no, the Mets don't have a ton of guys. I mean, maybe Dominic Smith, but if you're going to use Dominic Smith, I think it would be to go get a, you know, a bigger piece to help your lineup. Right, and and who knows what Ahmed Rosario could bring up a, a piece in a better way than Dominic Smith. Matt, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This was great. We got to definitely do this again. Um, Matt does a great job covering the Mets, and and uh, me and him don't always agree on stuff, but uh, Matt has just an astute knowledge of this game. And Matt, I always enjoy our conversations big time when you and I have them, whether in the press box or here on WLIE. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Rich. All right, that was Maddie Halt, and I think we have a quick phone call to take. Um, you're next on New York Sports Rap. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, my, name's Ma- my name is Matt Pullman from Daytona Beach, Florida. I've been a lifelong Mets fan. Uh, my father was a fan since 62. I look at the Mets. <clears throat> I look at their rotation. Have the Mets ever had a better rotation than they have now? Um... I think when you had Seaver, Kuzman, and Nolan Ryan in the rotation, I'd have to think that you know throw Gary Gentry in there or later John Matlack. The '80s one was probably better. The '86 one didn't even have a great Viola. fifth starter. Even when Viola came yeah. in, that might be a little better. You got two, Cy, you know, two Cy Young Award winners, and Sid Fernandez was underrated in that team. So. I think that the, as one-two, Syndergaard and Degrom. Compare favorably with guys like Gooden and Darling. They fare favorably with guys like Seaver and Kuzman. But the top two guys that I would still rather have in games would be Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman. To you know, and to have Nolan Ryan come out of the bullpen, that would be pretty good as well. And I'd have to agree to this point. But but when it's all said and done, I know it's hypothetical. Who knows? But you got Thor, you got Degrom, you got Mats, who's definitely turning the corner. And it's obvious to everybody, especially after the Grand Slam yesterday, Wheeler came out, he finished the seventh. He's definitely turned a corner. It seems to me all four of these guys are starting to, well, aside from Thor and DeGrom, Matt and Wheeler are really starting to, to buy into themselves. When pitchers start to do that, who knows, the sky's the limit. 
So with all this being said, would you really tear apart all four of those? No, and I, would, at- I wouldn't tear apart Lugo either. I'd pick Lugo in that mix. And, you know, me and Mike were talking about this before the show, and we said, you know, let's take the Crosstown Yankees. Would the Crosstown Yankees trade their five in the rotation for the Mets? And I think the answer to that is yes every day and seven days on Sunday. Severino's great, but the rest of those guys don't compare to the Syndergaards, the Matzes, the Wheelers, and the Lugos. And I think that we saw last weekend when the Mets played the Yankees, a couple weekends ago, I should say, where the Mets were struggling, but yet their starting pitching held the Yankees to reasonable amount of runs in those games. Now, the Yankees won two out of the three games with the Mets, but they were all close, tightly contested games, and that was a series you didn't even see Syndergaard in. You saw Lugo yeah. uh, pitching for Syndergaard, you saw Mats, and you obviously saw Jacob deGrom. So I think that one of the things that, you know, and to kind of switch the topic to the Yankees a little bit, the Yankees have to figure out how to get another start in their rotation, but the five the Mets have, that quintet's pretty dosh going good, and that's what makes this season so frustrating to me because – I thought coming in, this rotation would be able to, you know, keep the keep their heads above water. And the bullpen's been disappointing too, as well as the offense, and so is the defense. But I thought they'd have a much better season. And the quintet of those five, along with Lugo, uh, that's five I would want to have if I was a manager. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So with all that being said, and I 100% agree with you here. The Mets have a couple pieces, as you guys were alluding to before. We got Familia. He's a top-notch. He's a top-notch reliever. He may not be living up to all Mets fans' expectations in the big moment, but over until uh, sorry, since 2014, he's been almost as good, if not as good, as Herrera, who just went over to the Nationals. You look at Blevins. His value is probably not good, but he's coming off the books. Ramos. He's injured out the year. He's coming off the books. As Drupal Cabrera is an obvious trade ship. Familia, as Drupal Cabrera, and what about Dom Smith? You look at Dom Smith and his age. He's definitely, I mean, he's got to be sought after in some way, shape, or form around the league. He's, he's, he's trimmed down his weight. He's showing gap-to-gap power right now. He may be playing left field, which isn't his optimal position, but when he's on the field at first base, he's definitely flashing the glove as well. You got Peter Alonzo down there in AAA lighting it up. Can't the Mets trade Dom Smith as well and retool in some way, shape, or form? Maybe not for a major league-ready talent, but for another top-tier prospect to maybe groom. I, I, it's a great question, and, and, and Mike, I know you wanted to answer him quickly. Sorry to interrupt you, but go right ahead. I just don't know what you're going to get with Dom Smith right now. You're probably selling a little low. They've done a bad job. The Mets haven't really marketed Dom Smith like the Yankees have. You know, he's done, uh, 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 you know, he's had issues. It's documented what his issues are. He did lose weight, give him credit, but uh, he had that sloppy play last week. And, uh, uh, you know, they haven't marketed him. They've actually done the opposite by putting his all issues out there for everyone to, to, to hear. So I don't know what you would get with Don Smith, but he is a highly rated prospect. He's lefty, he got power, so we'll see. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're at 9 o'clock we're going to – Mike Van is going to join us. We might push that a little because I know we're getting phone calls coming in. want to talk about the Mets and probably the Yankees and maybe even the Nick draft. But the one thing I want to say about the Yankees is that, you know, and I, I wish I would have talked to Matt about this when he was on the phone, but there's a good chance that someone's going to have 100 wins in the AL East and have to play in the wild card game 
which the Red Sox keep plowing along. And the Yankees had a rough weekend in Tampa. They got swept by the by the Rays in Tampa. And the Red Sox won two out of three over the Mariners. And so now they're in a virtual tie again. The Yanks will be playing the Red Sox this coming weekend at Yankee Stadium. I think it's going to be a great series. I'm going to still go with my prediction before we go on the break. My prediction at the start of the season in the AL East was the Red Sox would win the division and the Yankees would get the wild card. Now, if that happens and the Yankees have to face, let's say the Astros fall in the West and they go to a wild card game, it's Verlander against Severino, that could be uh, that could be some bad news for the Yankees to have to deal with someone like that. And then thrown in the mix also, then Severino would not be available until game three of the division series. And let's say the Yankees beat the Astros in a wild card game with the Mariners. They lose Severino. And then they got to face Sale twice in the series, while Severino would only pitch once. I think that's something that is definitely something we need to watch for. We, we come back, we'll take more phone calls, and we'll have Mike Mancuso talk about the Nick draft right after this. The views, opinions, and statements expressed in the preceding program reflect the views of program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views of WLIE Radio, its management, or its sponsors. For questions and comments, please send us an email at WLIE540AMRadio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE540AM.com. Cap off a weekend of watching sports by talking about it with Mark Rosenman and AJ Carter on Sports Talk New York. All the intelligent conversation, insightful interviews, and just plain fun are now right here on WLIE 540 AM from 7 to 8.30 Sunday nights. Visit their website, www.sportstalknylive.com, for previews of upcoming guests. Visit their Facebook page to win prizes. That's Sports Talk New York, Sunday nights from 7 to 8.30 on WLIE 540 AM. This is Higher Ground with Pastor Gary Grant and First Lady Grant inviting you to tune in with us on WLIE 540 AM and online at WL. Please send us an email at WLIE 540 AM radio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE 540 AM.com. We are back on New York Sports Wrap, and this segment of New York Sports Wrap sponsored by the Tiki Bar in Rye Playland. And like I said, when Matt was on the show, great place. A great place to kind of, if you like live, if you like raw seafood on, on shells, clams on the half shell, you like it cooked, it's just a great environment. And then you can go take some rides in Rye Playland. They even have a miniature golf course for the kids. It's a great place, and, um, and Rye is an, an awesome place to live. I love living there, and I love uh, being in Rye Beach. And, you know, Mike, you know, the Mets have so many night games on Saturday. I've been trying to get to Rye Beach in the morning before I have to be at the ballpark at 3 o'clock. Unfortunately, the weather has not cooperated with that plan well, that at all. That should be better than this. I saw the weather report. I was supposed to have a barbecue yesterday. got rained out. So uh, I think next Saturday it should be a little bit better. So we'll Sounds see. good. I know we have a phone call waiting. Uh, it's, uh, Mike, mate. Oh, we have Mike Mancuso on the line, and Mike Mancuso joins us on New York Sports Wrap. And, Mike, that invitation to the um, Tiki Bar and Rye goes out to you, too. And I know <laughs> I know the thing about Mike Mancuso, I've known him all my life, Mike, and the guy, the, the guy must, like, he must exercise like a fiend because 
He has the metabolism of a canary. <laughs> Mike can eat something and it just doesn't go any. It doesn't go on his waist. Mike. Mike looks like fit and trim, like he's a thirty year old. And and Mike, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Rich, good evening. How are you? Um, we want to talk a little bit about the Knicks, but first I want to talk about the Mets. And obviously, this was another lost weekend for them. And and you know, we didn't really talk about Mickey Calloway too much with Matt Ehalt. And and you know, Mickey said something again today that. I kind of scratched my head, and not it wasn't Mickey's fault, but it's a talk of how this organization is run. And Mike, I know that you and I have had debates and fights in the press box. You're not a big bunting guy; you don't like bunting. But the point I'm just trying to make with this is the question that he was asked is: Would Dominic Smith have tried to bunt, and maybe not so much for a sacrifice, but because the infield was shifted for a base hit? And Callaway's answer was: I don't think. He's ever bunted in his minor league career. And that brings to me, Mike, the question of what's going on in the instructional leagues with the Mets where everyone should know how to bunt. You may never bunt when you get to the major leagues, but give your manager the option to utilize it. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that we agree 90% of the time. Uh, the bunting issue might be the, <laughs> one of the things that we don't agree on in certain situations because I think outs are precious. Uh, and I don't like giving him up. However, there are situations where a bunt is called for. And just as you mentioned, tonight might have been the, the place where you're not necessarily bunting you're just, you're, because the situation dictates there's no one on that side. And the fact that these guys have never been trained or at least made aware of how to bunt it is scary. And, and, and I think it might not be just the Mets. I think there are probably other organizations that have not you know, even shown some of these guys had a bunt, but you're 100% right. It speaks volumes of a lack of something in this organization, and you and I have been scratching our heads about this for the longest time. You just wonder what is being preached organizational-wise in certain circumstances and not being able to even look down that side and, and even try to put the idea in the Dodgers' head that he might look to do something and bunt that way is scary. Yes, I agree. Very scary. And he should not have admitted it. You know, he, you just say, well, you know, he's not used to bunting. Uh, but, you know, you should start showing these kids at the early ages, you know, let's let's have some bunting drills once a week, just for the heck of it. You know, once we get into the season, maybe we'll do bunting drills every two weeks. But they have to be aware of it, right? Mm, no, no doubt. And, Mike, you know, there's fans screaming for the Mets to tear it down, rebuild it, and start afresh. And it seems like that's what the Knicks are doing. I know Rich had mentioned talking about the Knicks, and after they drafted uh, – Kevin Knox on uh, on on Thursday, and they took a, a flyer on a on an interesting center in the second round, and the Arizona guard who who knows you know had a PED failed test, but uh, you know they're talking about development. David Fisdale's hired a bunch of development coaches. Each of those picks is interesting. Obviously, each is a project to a certain degree, but it looks like the Knicks uh, and and I think the media and the fans are for the from, from the rare times are on the same page are doing it the way I guess they should have all along the last 15, 20 years? Well, you know, at first I was a Bridges guy. Mikel uh, Bridges from Villanova. I thought that he would be the safe pick. You know, and then after actually interviewing Knox at Media Day on Wednesday and looking at his numbers and reading the scouting reports on him, I really became enamored with Knox. And I know some people thought Porter would be the way to go, but I don't think the Knicks could afford any kind of question about the man's health. And, you know, Porter will probably go out now and be a great all-star for years to come. But having said that, I love the pick of Knox. 
I think that this kid is athletic. I love his attitude. Uh, I think that at 18 years old, yes, there's going to be a bit of a learning curve with him, but I think we could put up with it. Uh, I expect that he's going to be a real good player, and, and uh, you know, I'm pretty high on this pick. And, and I don't necessarily think they have to tear it down. Uh, you know, I don't think they, they will be awful if they do this right and make a couple of moves. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team next year, but I think they'll be reasonably competitive. And in, in the Eastern Conference, it's not that you have to, you know, you could be almost 500 and make at least a run for the playoffs. I'm not saying they'll do that, but I think they're headed in the right direction. Mike, you know, one of the things in, in covering the Knicks that I watched all year, you know, when I wasn't covering the Mets, I would say, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but I would say that the Knicks lead the league in, in layups allowed and layups mm-hmm. missed, both. If I if I had to lay my mortgage on the line, I would say that those two things are accurate. I think Knox is helpful in both of those areas. In watching him at Kentucky, I think they finally got a guy that that makes defense a precious part of his game. I think they had it in Noah, but Noah's head is just you know out in the clouds somewhere. I always thought Noah was a good defensive player, but certainly his attitude towards the coaching staff precluded us seeing that as well as his his lack of playing time, being hurt. But Plus not his attitude toward life, I think. He's yeah. gone into the toilet, but that's another story. Very much true. But I think Knox is a step in the right direction because I think he's a guy that values defense. On a team that had a lot of offense, I think he's a pretty good rebounder. I think he's a pretty good defender. I think you can defend him against a three or a four. So those are the things that I like about the pick, Mike. I do. I, I like it. And, you know, one of the things they also lacked in is, you know, they didn't get to the free throw line all that much either. So the layups they were missing or allowing, they also weren't getting to the free throw line. And I actually do think they'll, they'll, they'll miss O'Quinn because I think that he would at least try to put a body on guys as they were getting into the paint. Uh, so, yes, they definitely lack that. It'll be interesting to see how they replace O'Quinn because, you know, Canton will probably come back. He's not going to turn down that money, and he's not exactly a good rim protector either. So, yes, Knox will help. It's going to be nice to see him in there. Absolutely. And it's funny with the Knicks, you know, Mike, I look at them and I say they have to be patient because if they are patient, they can get out of the salary cap hell they're in a little bit and – I got the feeling there might be a guy named Kyrie Irvin available after next season, and I think he would actually be a perfect fit for the Knicks. I actually said here on the show yesterday, if the Knicks ever got Irvin, I think this championship drought, I'm not saying right away, but I think he'd be the piece that would get it together with Porzingis to get the Knicks to have those great moments in the spring that we saw saw so much in the Ewing years and it's been so long ago since we've seen but I think the key is patience, but with Jim Dolan, that can always be a problem, right, Mike? Well, you know what, Rich? I, I think that Dolan, I, I think he's now forced to set back because he's got his guys in place that he wanted. He wanted Steve Mills to run this team, and then they bring in Perry, and then they bring in Fisdale. He's got to give this tandem some time to prove what they can do. You know, as far as Kyrie Irving, you know, terrific player. You know, he's had his injuries. He's had some history. Don't know how that'll play out yet, but he's still young enough. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But, no, I do think that they're headed in the right direction, and they do have to get under the salary cap hell, and I think they will. You'll see guys like Courtney Lee's contract expiring, and, you know, they already now got freed up with the O'Quinn money. The Cantor money will come off the books. Uh, Yeah, I think the arrow's pointing up. 
We have said that several times before in the past 15 years when Donnie Walsh came in, and, you know, and then later when they hired Phil Jackson, and each time the arrow was going up, it was halted. Let's hope it doesn't get halted this, this time, and, and, it, and it, it's given the chance to, to rise. And, yeah, I think that uh, hopefully the, the Dolan gives these guys a chance, and I think they'll be good. And it looks like they're trying to build kind of a, a organization, a culture. And you look at some of the other draft picks, uh, Alonzo Trier and Mitchell Robinson. I mean, these are guys that if they didn't have issues, one with getting into school, it looks like, and the other right. with PEDs, they might have been first-round picks. I mean, again, it, these are these are like half-court shots. You don't know. Yes. Right. But, but, but it's interesting the direction they're going. This is an extreme patience direction. And look, after two failed rebuilds in the last 15 years, actually three with Phil Jackson, because right. uh, Isaiah, Donnie Walsh, and Phil Jackson, you got one year out of Donnie Walsh. But, but you guys understand where I'm going. It yep. looks like, you know, now they're like, hey, no more quick fixes. And uh, it will be interesting how patient the fans are because this could be, you know, at least two years before you see some significant playoff basketball. Yeah. And and you know what? I think it's about how do these guys play? Do they compete nightly or, you know, are they packing it in? And that's that's where Fisdale comes into play. No, and you know what, though? The, the, the fans will be patient, number one. Number two, if they're competitive and playing hard, the fans will be doubly patient. Number three, usually a third of the building when Knicks are playing are you know are fans of everybody. So the the place is still going to be packed. It's not going to be empty, you know. So I think all the ingredients are in place for a rebuild or a retool, and I think the fans will be patient, and I think that they'll be on board with it, and they'll and then they'll, they'll be energized by it. Quite frankly, where do you think Nilakina fits in their plans and? That's another guy they have to be patient with because one thing I saw from him is he can be a tremendous defensive player. Um, he's got quick hands, but he definitely has to improve parts of his game. But again, be patient with him. I actually think this is a guy that has some upside, I Mike, agree. and I yes. hope they play him more than they played him last year. I, I, I agree, and keep in mind, what is he now, 19 years old? Yep. 20 years old? So, you know what? Even if he only played... Sparingly last year, and then they bring in Moutier. I, mean, I still don't know why they made that move, but you know, be the you know that took away playing time from him as well. Uh, but yes, I like him. I think he's got the tools. I think he's got the attitude. I think he has a work ethic. Uh, he has a lot of you know work to do on. You're right, certain parts of his game, but it's always nice when you have that eagerness. And I, and I think that you know, is he gonna? Is his future a point guard? Maybe he's a two. Maybe he's you know, he's a hybrid. Uh, but yeah, I think that he he's another young guy that they can. I, I think that the arrows pointed up for him too. I like him. You know, there's conflicting reports about whether Enos Cantor will opt out. Some say yes. Now he's coming out and saying that he'll wait to the last minute. I know financially it probably makes sense for the Knicks to move away, but he's 26 and. Yes, I know about the defensive issues, especially with the pick and roll, but he's got a lot of energy. He loves being here. He's a rebounder. Uh, he's a really incredible inside scorer. I know that his game may not be what the modern NBA is all about, but somehow I feel like he could be a useful piece. It seems like it'll turn out to be the finances and the timing will be off for Enos Cantor. Maybe it's a little, he would probably be a guy that when they become good, you like, really wish he was part of this, but timing was off. What are your thoughts on Enos Cantor? Because he's a tough decision. Uh, if he opts out, do you bring him back, and, and can you bring him back? I think that he's not going to opt out. I, I don't see him turning down that money. But having said that, I agree with you. I do think there's a place for him. He's First, he's fun to be around. 
He's engaging with the crowd. They like him, and he scores. Okay, so you can live with some of his deficiencies if he's going to score 12 to 13 points a game because they need that additional scoring. Plus, with Knox and the development of some of these young, let's, you know, Trey Burke is another guy we haven't even talked of. He could still be a, a guard that can help them score some points. You saw that last year. Uh, so I would like to see Cantor come back. I, if he opts out, I don't know how much I'd pay him. I think there'd be a limit. I certainly wouldn't go higher than eight or nine million a year. But you know, I think he he's not worth that. But if he stays, I'm okay with that. Plus, then you'd clear his cap after the contract's over. They sure do. And you know, you know, what might be helpful too. Him and Kyrie Irving could share stories on their disdain for LeBron James, <laughs> which could be interesting as well. Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, Mike, you do a great job on WFAN, and you know, it's funny because. In our business, sometimes when you work for competing stations, sometimes people don't kind of get along. But Mike is someone that always has made the press box a place where people can get along because he's as classy as they come. Mike, thanks for joining us on New York Sports Rep. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate the kind words, and I'll see you at the ballpark this week. You got it. Mets Pirates we will definitely see you. Um, That's Mike Mancuso from WFAN, and uh, just a great, great guy and uh, someone that Personally, has helped me through a lot of things, and uh, you all know how my dad's ill, and Mike is always a great sounding board for it and, and has always been there for, for me. When we get back, Ryan Crofts is going to join us, and right after these messages, we will be right back. Check WLIE540AM.com every day and find out what's happening in your community from one of the largest and most diverse radio stations in the tri-state area. Stay connected at WLIE540AM.com. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who... Had to be independent and take initiative, and that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline... Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. No, 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 no. Sweatbands are so hot right now. Everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection could never capture our true selves. Huh? Beauty is within? Um. C, look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have to. Ta-da! Twinsies. I kind of love it. (laughs) As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to New York Sports Wrap. Rich Catino, along with Mike Silva. And this segment is sponsored by the Tiki Bar in Rye Beach. And, you know, I've had all of my guests come on and let you know that you're invited to the Tiki Bar. Ryan, I have a feeling you love it there. Uh, it's got a great environment. And um, 
knowing you, you probably won't leave it alone. So I think that makes it a good place to be as well. Ryan Crofts joins us. Ryan, thanks for, for joining us tonight on New York Sports Wrap. Thank you, guys. And uh, Rich, hit the nail on the head. The Tiki Bar sounds like an absolutely phenomenal place. <laughs> it really does. Um, we got two sponsors, and they're both restaurants, so we do one one week and one the other week. The other one is the um, St. John's Arthur Avenue place in Rye. So if it's the weather's bad, you can go there, and if the weather's good, you go to the Tiki Bar, and we have both sponsors covered for that. Ryan, we wanted to bring you on the show tonight because you are really an expert on the Met Minor League system and exactly what their needs might be if they become a seller, and it certainly looks that they are going to be a seller. Um I'm going to give you the magic wand, and you tell me what kind of player is needed in this team. Is it a pitcher? Is it is it in the minor league system? Is it a hitter? Is it more athleticism? If the Mets have a big need in their minor league system where there's a void, what would it be? All right, so i got a few for you right here. I think that over the past few years, we've seen the Mets have to deal out of necessity to bring in players like a Yoannis Despotis, right? So they used some of the top crop that they had going in. Right now, obviously, you've been hearing about Dom Smith and Mazzaro for a few years. Those guys are up with the big league club. They've taken a little bit of their lumps. So now we're kind of on to thinking about the next level of guys coming up. And we've been hearing a lot lately about Peter Alonzo and Jeff McNeil, right? And the wrap on the message right now is that they don't have a very good farm system in terms of positional depth. Now, if these two guys, specifically Alonzo and McNeil, turn out to be players, the tune might change on that a little bit. So, as we've seen, Alonzo came up to Vegas with McNeil in the same week, and both have honestly gone unconscious since they got up there. Alonzo, we saw, hit three homers in one game last week and has actually been hitting at a clip where his OPS is 1.14. Just for reference, that's Carlos Beltran in the playoffs territory, okay? And... In honor of where he's playing, if I'm a betting man, I'd push my chips for a bit of a regression. But that's actually okay, because when you have someone that goes up a level and they start off hot, you want to see them go through a correction period where they need to work their way through some struggles at a higher level. So I'm not saying I'm hoping for a slump, but I am saying you might not see Alonzo or McNeil, because they both started off so hot, you might not see them here in New York until they've both gone through a reduction period and came back out of it. But in terms of what the team needs, Rich, you hit on it immediately, athleticism, right? We see a few guys that are a little bit older, a few guys that are a little bit injury-prone. Obviously, Jay Bruce in his 30s, Cespedes in his 30s, Frazier in his 30s, Cabrera in his 30s. You know, that, those are positions where the Mets would absolutely like to get more athletic. And actually, I'm happy you asked me about that. I was just doing a little bit of homework. The Mets, with their 16th pick this year, took a guy named L.A. Woodard out of Middle Tennessee State. Now, he's a bit of a diamond in the rough guy, started out at Kansas City Community College, but is graded out having plus speed, plus arm, and plus range at shortstop. They think he's got the athleticism to stay there in the middle of the field. Now, Ahmed Rosario very well could be the future for the next 15 years at shortstop, and I think every Mets fan would sign up for that. However, this Woodard kid, he could be an interesting prospect coming up through the ranks. He's already 21, so he's a little bit further developed at the minor league level in terms of approach and experience than Rosario was at this level, but he's a guy that you could see climb the ranks pretty quickly if the bat starts to play. Ryan, um, Ryan yeah. you know, what, last year when Sandy uh, Alderson was selling off, it was a very specific focus of bringing in power arms, specifically bullpen arms, and you're starting to see the fruits of that labor a little bit. 
with Drew Smith being brought up. When they do a sell-off of similar types, uh, let's say they don't do a total breakdown here, Familia, Cabrera, guys like that, could you see them doing a similar focus type of sell-off where they go and get a particular type of need in the organization? Last year being power pitching, what would you think if they did that? How would you go about it? What kind of focus would you do? You know, I absolutely could see them doing that this year, and I really do think it would be the prudent move. Um, in If I were to do it this year, I would go after depth that is close to major league ready. And I'll give you an example. Um, Yoannis Cespedes, he's a guy that is the engine of this team. He's also a guy that we have seen when acquired in a pennant race can take an entire offense on his back. So in the event of the Mets, we're trying to look to trade Cespedes. I'm just using him as an example because if he is healthy, a team like Seattle that might look for an offensive bump could be interested, right? Now, I would look for arms at the lower level or positional depth that's almost major league ready at the higher level. And if it's a guy like Cespedes, you're going to have to eat this year's contract. But right-handed hitting outfielders, is that, that is it's almost a foreign object to the New York Mets. Right now, they've got Conforto, they've got Nimmo, they've got Bruce, three left-handed hitting outfielders. You called up Kesmarski, also left-handed hitting outfielder. I mean, guys, past that, the depth is, I mean, it's, it's not too deep. You've got Ezekiel Carrera, who's got big league time, also a lefty. I mean, you're going to tell me that Ty Kelly is the answer to being your platoon back? I mean, even Zach Borenstein is a lefty at Vegas who's having a good year. Matt Decker is a lefty at Vegas, if you guys, you know, see the trend there. So I think there's an area where they need to kind of spread the wealth around the positions and see what they can get. Um, I did like what they did last year, bringing in Drew Smith and, you know, guys like Ryan Ryder. Um, I'm a little bummed that Jamie Callahan has the shoulder surgery because I did want to see what they had out of him. But to your point, I think what uh, Sandy did last year was a very, very prudent move, just saying let's get all these guys into our system and see if we can mold them how we want. And, you know, the other guy that you did mention that I thought when I looked at all those all those trades that Sandy made, I thought the two guys that were going to give the Mets the most upside were Drew Smith and Batista. And I think they brought Batista up a little too soon, Ryan. I think he, you know, he kind of got thrown in the, in, in the fray. He's got a live arm, but I think he's got to learn how to be more of a pitcher. But the skill set is certainly there to use a Fred Wilpon term. I absolutely agree with you, Rich. Very, very keen on that observation. I felt the same way that Batista, definitely a little bit of a project, has very live stuff, very live arm. I hate to make the comparison, but we saw it with Hansel Robles. Hansel Robles had all the stuff in the world, you know, plus slider when it's on, fastball in the mid-upper 90s, but he wasn't always a pitcher. To your point, bit of a thrower. I think a little bit of seizing for Batista could help, as well as, you know, all these power arms. You know, they come up here, they want to throw gas, they want to pop the gun a little bit. But, to your point, they got to locate. they got to figure out how to mix pitches in. You know, we see Rami Smith, you know, Batista. These guys are power arms that, for the next five to six years, we might not know who these guys really are. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully, over the next few years, we figure out that these guys can be part of the back end. Got one final question for you, Ryan. You know, obviously it's been a disappointing season for the Mets. And, and what would make it even worse if you don't sell off some of these players and bring in young talent – but also if you don't find out about players. This is a great time to find out about players, and they say you never buy what you see in September or March. But I like the fact of bringing up younger players. Now, that kind of, that kind of falls to Mickey Calloway's lap. Does he play a Batista? 
Does he play Wilma Flores? Does what does he do in order that he can still see what guys like Rosario and Dominic Smith and maybe even an Alonzo can give him this year by giving him a taste of the major leagues? I remember something Tom Glavin told me years ago. He said the best thing that ever happened to him was he had a taste of the major leagues and got rocked like a Roman candle. It taught him a lot on how to deal with it. And we all know how Tom Glavin's career ended up. Do you how do you how do you take those two things, Ryan, and kind of and kind of compete with them? How do you take them and say, I want to see players, but I also want to I don't want to have a hundred losses by the end of the year. You know, to be completely honest, Rich, I'm so happy you went there because this is something I've been going over the last few weeks, and specifically with Mickey Calloway. Not only is he a first-time manager, he's a very young manager in terms of the baseball world and in terms of the actual age spectrum, only in his you know early 40s. So this is a guy where when you give him the players on the roster, Terry Collins always said it, I'm not playing for next year, I'm trying to win tonight's game. This is a situation where Mickey Callaway wants to start off winning as many games as possible because it's early on. So he's going to be tempted to play the more established players. It's going to be tough because you're not going to come in there every day and say, all right, Jose Batista, establish better, and I'm going to sit you down. Todd Frazier, I'm going to sit you down in favor of a kid that we don't know who he is yet because that's going to ruffle some feathers. Now, the problem here is going to be up to Alderson to, I hate to say it, remove those players from the roster. If Mickey Callaway wants to play them, he just has to direct Mickey a little bit. He's young. But I'm a big fan of young managers and coaches getting young players without personality because you can help mold them, but also we have to find out what pieces are going to be viable to this roster moving forward, whether we're finding out who the 24th and 25th man is, or whether we're finding out if someone's going to be an unexpected you know, starting center fielder, starting second base. Um, and I think they've got a young crop of guys that it's their time to figure out. I know I mentioned Gavin Tashini last week. He's a former first-rounder. We need to find out if that guy's a big leaguer or not. And, you know, one more thing before we go. I'll give you the example of the catching position. I know Mezzarocco's done well behind the plate. I know that he's hit home runs, especially late in games. I don't like the way he frames pitches. I don't like the way he calls a game. I think Darnell calls a much better game than him. And my point is... If the Mets are going down the throttle where they're certainly not going to be competing for a playoff spot, I want to see Kevin Plowicki play five out of every six games because I don't want to go into the offseason still not knowing what I have in Kevin Plowicki. And that's what—that's one illustration of what you were saying, Ryan, where I kind of want to see Plowicki more than Mesoraco, and I know the fans want to see Mesoraco, but if the long term is not him, and I certainly don't, I like the fact of what he does with pitches before the game, Ryan, but I don't like the way he frames pitches, and I don't like the way he calls a game either. And I know that everyone thinks he calls a great game, but I watch it and I look at it. No. Travis Darnot had a terrible arm, and it was due more to his footwork than his arm, I think. But, yeah. but his framing of pitches, I put it in the top five in the National League. And the Mets missed that. And if you watch Met games, Ryan, you see how many pitches the Mets don't get that are those borderline pitches. I think it has a lot to do with Travis Darno not framing pitchers for this staff. I think it's a very, very fair estimation. And another thing about Mezzarocco is he's already had knee surgery uh, on both knees. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, that's just when you look at the wear and tear on a body, especially for a catcher, that's not an MO for being a, a franchise catcher. And I completely agree with you, Rich. We've got to see what Pulwecki is, whether he's a starter or whether he's a good backup. We've got to know if this guy is a big leaguer for the long haul. 
absolutely. Ryan, I want to thank you for joining us. You're going to become a regular guest here because I, I love your take on baseball. I know you know about the NFL and fantasy too, so you're going to help us out a lot here as, as we go on on New York Sports Wrap. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you're a friend of the family. You know that, Ryan. Stay well, my friend. Thank you, guys. Anything you need. Okay. Ryan Cross, who really knows the Met minor league system really well. A lot of good points that he brought up. Mike, anything you want to comment on further? No, I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, there's there's certain needs in this organization. And if they start trading players off, and they will, you got to know what you got with Gavin Sashini. And TJ Rivera will be back. We yeah. forgot about him. And I've always thought he was an intriguing player. Maybe he's a 350 at bat third base, second base bench player, but I always liked T.J. Rivera. He hit everywhere he went, and he was hitting when he was up here, uh, and then he had the Tommy John surgery, and, and that's a killer for a position player because you don't expect that kind of injury. So that would be the goal. What do you have? And, you know, I, like I said to Matt Eholt, I was looking at that free agent class. You're going to have to have component pieces on this team to build your roster if you want to compete next year because you can't get everything for free agency. It's not there. I mean, it may come down to are you in on the Manny Machado or you're not, and then everything else could be similar to what you saw this winter. So finding out what you have, if Garrett Cassini is one of those guys, that's important. Very, very important. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk to one of the guys that if there's any writing Hall of Fame, sports writing Hall of Fame, he should not only be in it, but he should be in the front window of the place. Bob Herzog, who is retiring after many great years at Newsday, he'll join us right after this. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to a visit to the pastor's study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. here on WLIE Radio. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the pastor's study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, sometimes controversial, but never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon for a visit to the pastor's study because everyone needs a pastor. When you were a little kid and you thought about what you wanted to be, teaching was at the top of your list. But things changed. And as you got older, teaching didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you're thinking you'll be something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Now you want to be a doctor. You don't think teachers save lives? 25 at a time. An actress? Try playing a different role every time the bell rings. How about a scientist? Ever heard of physics? Chemistry? Who do you think teaches that? Teachers today are breaking down obstacles, finding innovative ways to instill old lessons, and taking learning far beyond the four walls of the classroom. It's time to recognize that great things are happening in teaching and put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council.
Welcome back to New York Sports Wrap. Rich Catino along with Mike Silva. And this segment is sponsored by, yes, you guessed it, is sponsored by the Tiki Bar at Rye Beach Bar and Grill. If you're at Rye Beach swimming or if you're, you're at Rye Playland with the rides, finish the night, the Tiki Bar. And I will also tell you that on Friday and Saturday nights they have a karaoke there, which I actually last summer won an award there for a karaoke it really was the girls out with the Telemundo that won the award because they sang a lot better than I did. But it's a fun place for karaoke. It's a fun place for dancing and dinner. And uh, lots of parking there in the Ride Playland area and um, a great place to go. And my next guest is on the phone. And one of the great riders that I've ever been around in my career in terms of the one thing I will say about Bob Herzog that is crystal clear is – that he's proven that you could be a great writer and talented and that you can care about other people the way he does. And that makes him special, and that, in my book, makes him a Hall of Famer. Bob, welcome to the program. Rich, thanks. I can't thank you enough. Uh, I have two things to say. Number one, did you sing Meet the Mets for your karaoke song? <laughs> no, it actually was a song <laughs> I sang that uh, I believe Mariah Carey and Boys to Men sang way back then. And I don't remember the title of it, but I will safely tell you, Bob, that the girls who sang it really won the contest. I did very little other than blurt out a few <laughs> words at, at octaves never before heard and at the at the Rye place. But, um, Bob, I wanted to and have the second, you... And the second yeah. thing I want to say is that you are the same thing. Rich is a guy that is living proof that you don't have to get into the gutter. You can be a nice guy and still be talented and still be out there. Um, supplying, in his case, his listeners, in my case, the readers, with a good story, and it doesn't have to be stirring up controversy. It can be a backstory, a human interest story, or just a story that uh, finds something positive, and um, and still and yet still be competitive. Because guess what? If you go that way, maybe you'll have something that nobody else had. And that's the way I always looked at it, and I thank you for recognizing it. But I want to acknowledge you the same way. Bob, uh, I wanted to ask you, first and foremost, I mean, so many years at Newsday, you've done a great job. What are the two or three things that you covered, would you say, that that resonate with you and will be in your memory forever? Uh, it was a great question. I mean, on the pro beat, um, I covered David Cohn's perfect game. Wow. Um, so, as, as you know, because you used to deal, deal with me when you saw me at Mets, I was like the <clears throat> the, the primary backup on both the Mets and the Yankees. So I might get 100-plus games a year, 50 or 60 on the Mets, 50 or 60 on the Yankees, and then in the playoffs jo joining a whole group of guys. So you don't know when you're the backup what you might get. But David Cohn's perfect game it was came on a Sunday against the Expos after a long road trip in which our beat writer took the weekend off. So my good friend Mark Herman had the Friday and Saturday game. <laughs> I had the Sunday game. And I lucked out. I got a perfect game. Now, you know we can't root in the press box right. except for a good story. But deep down inside, I was rooting for, for it because at the time it was the 15th perfect game in Major League history. So that's one. I covered Glavin's one-hitter. I thought I was going to have that rare double. I'd get a perfect game, and I also would get the Mets' first no-hitter. Uh, but it didn't happen. Glavin gave a, a pinch hit hitter to an obscure guy on the Rockies. So obscure, I forgot his name. Yeah, I think it was Kit, Kit, Kit Pello. Kit, Kit Pello. Kit Pello, I think, yeah. was the hitter. Yeah, and he gave up a double to right field, and that was it, a one-hitter. 
and it was pretty close to a perfect game. He may have even only faced 28. I can't remember. But, um, you know, some true Met fans don't think Glavin should have gotten it because he wasn't a true Met, but heck, neither was Joanne Santana. But so those were memorable. Um, I did cover the Subway Series in 2000. That was memorable, and, for, and I know you have a lot of listeners who are Met fans. That goes down in the books as a four-games-to-one series. But let me tell you, I was there every night. Every game could have gone the other way. There were no blowouts. The closest thing to a blowout was the game the Yankees led 6 nothing, and the Mets got five in the ninth off Rivera and made that one interesting. So that was epic. And, um, you know, I covered some, some college stuff and all, but the you know most memorable stuff was baseball. And then I, I did a lot of high schools here at Newsday and, and had, you know, it's memorable in a sad way, but I did cover the death of the football player out in Shoreham. And, um, you know, that was a, a heartbreaking story about a great kid. And, you know, I actually won a first-place writing award for that. And it's always said that's a story you never wanted to write and people you never wanted to write about. But it was, you know, you know it's certainly memorable. Bob, you know, Newsday's always had a, an interesting niche, and it survived in the era of digital media. I remember as a kid growing up in Brooklyn, it was the Daily News uh, and the Post, and that was my internet, you know, in the 80s and the early 90s. But Newsday was always cool because it had the color cover. That, sure. Those other guys didn't have it. So it's amazing that Newsday continues to thrive in an era where newspapers across the country are going out of business, and you still have great writers, and um, they still stay true to their Long Island roots but are able to cover the, I guess, you know, greater New York area and maintain that interest for those who are not just on Long Island but outside of the Suffolk and Nassau uh, counties because, you know, they follow the Mets, they follow the Yankees, so on and so forth. Well, part of it, it's kind of that mixture that makes us relevant, I guess, is the key word. I mean, look, let's face it, Newsday is not making the money it used to make. We've all lost advertising to the Internet. <clears throat> but um, we, have, we have grassroots coverage of, of and I've done a lot of local colleges and high schools for the last 10 years, and that's the kind of stuff you cannot get on the Internet. Nobody does that stuff the way we do. And then we still acknowledge that many Nassau and Suffolk readers are huge fans of the professional teams in New York. So we cover that. So I think we've, we've struck a balance but I think what keeps us financially surviving, I wouldn't say thriving necessarily, but surviving, is that we have local news and local sports that's essential to the suburban type of uh, readership that Newsday has. And you cannot duplicate that or even find it on the web um, where that's not the case with the pro stuff. So we do the pro stuff and we do the national news and all that, but I don't think that's the key to our, to our future of staying relevant. Because you can get that elsewhere. You can't get the local stuff anywhere else, at least not in the depth, and I would dare say the quality that we give you. Absolutely, and I can tell you from you know handling all the ad sales at the Files 1 channels, which is another one of the things that I do, um, that we do a lot of high school sports in Long Island and in New Jersey and in the Hudson Valley, but we not we are not able to cover it the way Newsday does. And, in fact, <laughs> we sometimes – Use a lot of what you write as good background for the play-by-play guys doing the games. And well, I will I'm, tell you this. I'm very friendly with Ralph. And, oh, oh uh, Ralph's a great guy. Ralph, and he, he's always talking about stories I wrote, and he's great at saying, you know, you wrote this and I found this out, so here's a tidbit for you. So it's a give and take, even though he might be basing some of his commentary on things that I wrote, then he gives me he gives it back to me with stuff that he found out. So, yeah, that's great, and I, I love it when those guys are at games as well as – 
as when uh, News 12 Varsity is there. It, it adds a little extra flavor to it for the kids. And I will tell you this, too. You know, our, our Files 1 News and Restaurant Hunter do great on, you know, ratings-wise, but the high school sports is a, is a bronze medalist winner for what we do. And one of the things I found out when I started doing all this with Files 1, Bob, and I'd love to get your feet on this, is they were doing games live, and I was like, well, it's expensive to do games live, and who's going to watch it? So my bosses there said to me, what do you mean who's going to watch it? I said, the parents are at the game. Tape the game so the parents can watch it. If the kid had a big game, maybe have a big party on the weekend, and because you know they're going to be at the game, so and ratings went up, and I, and I guess uh, I was right about that, but even a broken clock's right twice a day, Bob. Uh, <laughs> you're, you hit it right on the head, Mr. Broken Clock, because <laughs> That's what, because I used to, MSG Varsity was spending a lot of money doing some games live. And I'm saying, well, yeah, but all the people that really care about the game are here. But having it on, and some of them would watch it again, but having it on tape delay, or whatever the phrase they now use, is is great because now you you don't know when you go out to the game what you're going to see, but if the kids did a great or the team did great, and now you can tell everybody, let's make sure we're watching it. So I think it's a good concept, and every once in a while it's tricky when you get to playoffs where not in football right. season, but in the other sports where it overlaps. So you're showing a, a great game in a semifinal, and then that team didn't make it to the finals, and it's being shown after. But again, the families will always watch it. Absolutely, Bob. What are you going to miss the most about you know covering the teams in this area and the high school sports and things like that? What's what's the one thing that you're going to miss? Uh, you know, when you're all, when all is said and done. Well, it's two things. Sorry to hedge. It's two things. It's the games. I love being at games and being in press boxes. Rich can tell you that there's a certain magic to yeah. people who are there to talk sports, and I enjoy that, and it's the people. People like Rich and people I've met along the way. That's, that's what will be memorable to me, not one specific team or one specific venue, but it's covering being at games. I love being at games, whether it's a high school stadium or Yankee Stadium. And I like the people that, that I have met along the way. Um, and Rich commented, I care about them. Well, I like to think I'm a people person, and I've found that if you are that way, people will respond in kind. And that's what made it, you know, I think I used the quote that I had a great career, but it's the people that made it great. Now, um, I know you're retiring from Newsday. What are your plans? And I know you have a wonderful family, Bob, that, that um, you want to spend more time with. Can you talk about what your plans are for the future? Because who knows, maybe we might work some freelance stuff together down the road. You never know. That would be awesome. I am definitely uh, I'm young at heart, despite what the calendar says. Young in spirit, and I will definitely say to anybody that I, I'm, I was as productive in my 68th year as I was in my 28th year. I have the clips to prove it. So I would like to not fade off, but I have two children and they each gave us a grandkid, and they just happened to wind up in Rhode Island. So maybe that wouldn't have been the first state on my mind to think of to retire to, but they're both there. My grandkids, um, you know, I'm completely impartial on this, but they are the two, two cutest kids on the planet. <laughs> so I, I definitely want to spend more time with my, my two children and my two grand grandkids, and so um, that's the plan. I'm going to be in Rhode Island. I'm going to be a Yankee fan in New England. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to um, try to find my way to, to possibly freelance or teach again. I, the last seven years I taught a sports reporting class at Stony Brook, which I really loved, too, because that's the only other profession I'd ever considered 
was was teaching, and I got to do both for a few years. So I'm going to try to find some work, and Newsday's promised to have me do some freelance stuff on, you know, Giants or Jets when they play in New England. And, and I'm not around the corner from Fenway, but I think the Yankees-Red Sox is going to be like a, a blood rivalry for another decade. They both look like they're going to beat each other up and be great for 10 years. So, you know, maybe I'll be there. But, yeah, if you have any good ideas, you're a, a whiz with good ideas and mining connections. Hey, I'm available. You got it, Bob. I want to thank you for joining the program. And this has not only been the highlight of tonight's program, but, Bob, you gave me some great advice a long time ago. We were sitting in the Shea Stadium press room, and in those days the press room had a bar in it where Ralph Kiner would sometimes come in at the end of the night, and we'd be doing our work and, yeah, having a beer and talking about things. But you gave me great advice. You said to me, I'll never forget it, I'm sitting at a table with you, and we were sitting with Howie Carpin as well. And you said to me, Rich, just be yourself because if you can be yourself, it's enough. And if it's not enough for people, then they're not worth your time a day. I will never forget you saying that. I think about it once a week all the time when I'm in a press box or even when I'm waiting for a Dunkin' Donuts coffee where someone is having a fight with the cashier in front of me and I'm just looking at the cashier saying, I was a bartender, I know exactly what you're going through. And I want to thank you for that, Bob. You are a member of the Catino family forever, and um, we look forward to maybe having you on the show to talk about something going up in in Providence, maybe maybe some college basketball, maybe the Yankees-Red Sox, maybe the Patriots-Jets, but you have an open invitation to the show, and we definitely want to have you on again. Well, it's way too kind, all of what you said, but I much appreciate it, and I'm I'm open for it anytime. This number is going with me, so stay in touch, pal, and it's a pleasure. Absolutely, Bob. All the best. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Bob Herzog of Newsday, one of the finest people I've ever known. I got another funny story to tell you. Um, Bob and I were sitting in the press box. I don't know if you ever were in Shea Stadium's press room, but um, they had tables, you know, to eat in there, and they had a little bar. They got rid of the bar when we became politically correct and you couldn't serve alcohol or beer. Well, Got after rid the, of it in the clubhouse, too. Probably well after the 86 Mets. Right. But um, we were – Bill the Baker, who was a guy that covered for the Yankees, and he was a George Steinbrenner's friend that delivered him donuts. So he ended up giving a press credential. And Jay Horowitz, being nice, gave him one, too, so he could cover Met games when the Yankees were on the road. And – Lloyd Carroll, who writes for a local, Queen, he had he had a scathing column about Steinbrenner, and at the time, um, <laughs> at the time, Bill the Baker had a cane with him, so it was me, Bob Herzog, and Wally Matthews sitting there having dinner, and he said, "You better retract that from Steinbrenner, or I'm going to take this cane." and And he went right up to Lloyd Carroll, and. <laughs> And Wally Matthews goes, I, I go to try to stop him. Wally Matthews says to me, you can't stop that, Rich. I cover boxing. This could be great. <laughs> we could sell a pay-per-view start. for it. And it's just one of the funny moments that. It's a different time in media. Like You would never see something like that. Never. No, never in a million time. years. And I'll tell you another thing. Bob and I had great talks with Tom Seaver because Tom was you know working in broadcasting at the time. Yankee broadcaster. And um, I, would just, broadcaster too. I would just listen to Tom because – he would tell me things that to this day, you know, stay with me. And 
one of the things that, you know, the last couple of weeks, Keith Law and I were having a little battle. Right, Keith um, But Tom Seaver said to me two things that I'll always remember, and Bob will remember this too. One, if you have the eighth hitter up and there's an open base, don't ever walk him. You want to set up the next inning? He, there's a reason he's the eighth hitter. Get him out. And the other thing he said, Rich, it's not about velocity. It's about late movement on your pitches. Whether it's a curve or a changeup or a fastball, it's about the late movement. And it was funny because I said to him, you mean guys like Pete Smith won't work? He said, Pete Smith will never work in this league because he throws too straight. Kyle Farnsworth had the same problem, threw too straight. straight fastball. So uh, it was just great times in the Shea Stadium yeah, press Robles room. to a certain degree, too. That's yes, absolutely, Robles, absolutely. Right. And I think that, you know, when you look at getting back to the Mets, when you look at what Mickey Calloway has done, and Mickey Calloway's made some mistakes, but I think he deserves some credit, too, for what he's done with Gazelman, what he's done with Lugo, what he's done with Mats, what he's done with Wheeler. I talked to Wheeler about his increased velocity on the pitches, and he said it was a simple thing. I was just my front arm, my front shoulder was getting thrown out, and I had to like be almost rhythmic in order for that not to occur. Steven Matt, same thing. His fastball command's good because he's taught him to kind of step off the mound and recollect himself. And as I've been kind of hard on Callaway, but I would be unfair to say that I'm not impressed with what he's done with those four pitchers because I really am. And what's going on there, and I know you've said it sometimes as post-games, I just don't think you know, What do you say at this point? Like, it's hard. The fans want to see him get mad and get angry. That's not who they hired. And a lot of that anger, that's sometimes fake outrage. You know, fake outrage to me is worse than misguided outrage. And, you know, this is who they hired. Is he vanilla? Sure. Is he boring? Sure. Look, focusing on the process in baseball and the idiosyncrasies of baseball, it's boring. That's really what this is. I mean, if you really dial into what these guys do to prepare night in and night out, it's boring. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very mundane, routine, but that's what the outcome needs, and that's what the outcome will uh, – will, if, if it's done well, the outcome will breed a solid outcome. And that's what he's trying to do here. And right now, everything's going wrong. And and a lot of this, I think there's a cloud hanging over this team. I don't know how to if he can break them out of it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to take a shakeup with getting some personalities out of there and just bringing new personalities. Sometimes things go bad. I know there's a lot. I'm, I'm reading Twitter throughout the uh, the broadcast. There's a lot of anger. Anger towards ownership. Anger towards Alderson. Uh, anger towards them not spending this offseason. And, and I understand that. But, you know, what's going on here? Um you know, you have pitters that historically are hitting twenty to thirty to forty percent below their career norms. What can you do? So, and sometimes, you know, and injuries are a part of it, but I don't think they're as big a part as they were last year. Cespedes to not being the lineup has just killed them. Like, it that's has, just, but, but last year was Cespedes, Familia, and Degrom. I, yeah. I mean, and, and well, Degrom at the end of the season they, and Syndergaard for all, all the season. parts of this team just don't go. When the starting pitching's good, they don't hit. When they hit, the starting pitching takes a step back. But that's what losing the teams bullpen, do. Yeah, and it's and sometimes you just can't figure it out. And sometimes, you know, it takes one or two things to get it going. Now, again, I'm not in favor of ripping this apart. What I really would say is go out, see what you could get for. We mentioned Blevins. We mentioned Familia. We mentioned um, Cabrera. You know, maybe Flores could get you something. I mean, I would be open to trading everybody but those core of pitchers, Conforto, and Nimmo, I think you want to kind of have some controllable 
offensive upside position players because, again, you look at the uh, the free agent market. LeMahieu is an interesting name that was brought up by Matt Eagle earlier in the uh, the broadcast. I love LeMahieu. Uh, that's a good second baseman. I think they need to get back. Here's here's what I'll leave you with. Here's the thing. Get back to defense up the middle. That starts with catcher, second base, and center field. I think that's important. I think, you know, you have your first base prospect. Let's see what he's all about. I'm okay with Todd Frazier third. You really got to figure out Rosario. He's got to hit better than he's hitting. Uh, he's been okay defensively. I didn't really look at his defensive runs saved and everything, um, but he cannot hit like borderline a pitcher right now. Uh, and then you really got to figure out, and, and maybe there's no choice yet. Can you get keep Cespedes on the field? What's going on there? Is he mm-hmm. is there a more serious injury? Because you know that really predicates on what you do. Because then. You know, if he's not coming back, you need an outfielder. Yep. If he's coming back and he's going to play in 130 games, then you really don't have a choice. You have to go with what you have with Nimmo and Conforto. Well, it's funny because, and I know we have to go here, but if I had an unlimited budget for the Mets, what I would do is I would trade Rosario in a package to get a player. I would sign Machado, put him at shortstop, and and become more athletic. Maybe sign LeMayu. LeMayu and Machado, those are my two offensive players that I put in the middle of the infield, and then you have to work the outfield out. You need to pick up maybe a, a guy like a Jay that can play center, and, 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 you know, you got Jay Bruce. Maybe Jay Bruce is your first baseman. Maybe maybe even Alonzo is someone you trade for a core bat center fielder that can hit. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I think I would try to do if I had an unlimited budget. But I'm going to take a good, hard, long look at having a $170 million payroll, how I would improve this team, and we're right. going to talk about that next week. I want to thank the guests we had on tonight, Super, Mike Mancuso, Ryan Crofts, great, and, of course, Bob Herzark and Matt Ehalt helped us a lot. Mac, Matt, uh, Mike, I want to thank you for joining me again. Awesome. It's like uh, – Always I, enjoy I, coming in here. I think we're better than Mike and the Mad Dog, to be yeah. honest with you. I think we are. I give so, it a shot. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Although I don't sound like Elmer Fudd, so maybe that, that's, a, <laughs> that's an improvement on, on Chris Mad Dog Russo. We will talk to you next week. Yankees have a full week, including a series with the Red Sox next weekend. We will talk about it next week on New York Sports Wrap. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.